What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackleman. It is Monday, November 30th, and that was the weirdest freaking weekend of football that I've ever seen. Weirdest weekend. Strangest game ever. No, New Orleans-Denver. Strangest game ever. Denver didn't have a freaking quarterback. Didn't have the most important position in football. Weirdest week ever. And on the other side, they were starting a wide receiver also at, at quarterback, but... That's beside the point. Let's unpack everything that we saw here. A wild day for sure, but I have some big takeaways for you here uh, to recap. Week 12, well, we still have two more games left, but regardless, before I get into that, let me tell you about our presenting sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Well, you need to go check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world. Because MonkeyKnifeFight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because mainly you, on MonkeyKnifeFight.com, you don't have salary caps. You don't have to play against the Sharks. That means anyone has a chance of winning, even you. MonkeyKnifeFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, eSports, and of course football. MonkeyKnifeFight has it all. And you know what else MonkeyKnifeFight.com has? A free $5 game for you just for signing up. And if you use the promo code RANT, you're going to have your first deposit matched instantly up to $50, of course, with a name like monkeyknifefight.com. You can be pretty certain. You know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at monkeyknifefight.com. Play to MKF and win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So let's dive into these games. Because it was a wild day. And hopefully you were able to survive this day. Uh, it, it was one of those where, you know, for me, I, I you probably had these games like in season long where most of your team kind of craps the bed, but you just get a couple enormous p- performances, right? Like Antonio Gibson, Will Fuller kind of bailed me out in one league where basically the rest of my team really wasn't that good. And yet I was still able to take down the game. And in that league, I'm in a hunt for a bye Man, that week 14 buy is freaking sweet, right? You don't have to set your lineup that week. You kind of just kick back. Don't have to worry about that league. Uh, so I'm in the hunt. It's by no means a shoe-in, but you know, you 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 get that week 14 buy, you only gotta win one game to get into that championship. And it's hard to make a fantasy football championship. So it was a weird week. Let's uh let's start with the Vegas Atlanta game. Uh, so Josh Jacobs was banged up in this one. It was a lackluster line, though, in general because of a really weird game script. I mean, who saw Atlanta just, like, beating the tar out of the Raiders? Like, it just it almost seems like we're in a bizarro world, right? But that's what happened. So Jacobs didn't get the touches. I'm not really going to be – I'm not worried about him. Uh, I, I think we always have to know the context of what produces these numbers – and if it was truly just bad play, then yeah, we would be worried about him. But it was overall the the state of the offense. And I think this is just the Raiders this year. There are games where they're going to come out and look freaking awesome. There are, gonna, there are games where they're going to come out and look really flat. And this was one of those games. So no worries about Jacobs. No worries about Darren Waller either. And I think Derek Carr finally showed us like, yeah, you really can't trust me as, as a streamer. So shame on us for falling for that one. On the other side... Brian Hill really split carries in the backfield. I didn't see that one coming. Ito Smith, of course, scored the touchdown. I don't think Brian Hill looked that bad. But 13 carries, 13 touches because he didn't have any catches. 
I was hoping more for 20 touches, and then that would have turned out to be hopefully a half-decent game. But a little too much Edo Smith, 16 touches. I did not like that, especially in a game where they were in the in the lead. Just didn't make sense to me, but obviously the team had different plans. Calvin Ridley gets in the end zone, sees three end zone targets. Matt Ryan was slinging the rock to the end zone, threw the ball to the end zone eight times in this one. Those are high-value uh, throws for fantasy purposes, so it's good to see that he's chucking the ball to the end zone, uh, even without uh, Julio Jones on the field this week. All right, let's move on to Los Angeles and Buffalo. A weird game, sort of a statement game for the Bills, but a weird game for the Chargers. They were, at one point, sort of trading uh, interceptions back and forth, but overall, uh, the Bills looking pretty good, and this is another one where the fantasy numbers are going to be deceptive, because you'd think in a game where I say the Bills look pretty good, Josh Allen would score more than just 18.5 fantasy points, but you know what? He didn't need to throw the ball that much, only threw 24 times. He ran for a touchdown, because that's what Josh Allen does, but didn't even really put up massive numbers with his legs. Like That's what bailed him out. But the team ran the football well. Devin Singletary actually looked pretty good. And Zach Moss looked good, too, in this one. Was a little bit more Singletary than Moss, which not as we drew it up. But regardless, Stephon Diggs was kind of 2018 Stephon Diggs. And what I mean by that is he was not being targeted heavily downfield. Where That's that's really where he had been targeted all season. You would have thought maybe a little bit more of that without Casey Hayward on the field. But it is what it is. His average depth of target in this one was five yards, so very close to the line of scrimmage. So, you know, seven catches, cool, but only 39 yards. Disappointing. Speaking of disappointing, well, on the other side, we we did have maybe a, a down game sort of across the board for this offense. Uh, Justin Herbert goes up over 300 yards, but only one passing score for him. We're kind of accustomed to him throwing for three passing scores. Uh, There are some bright spots, though, so I don't want to just say it's all bad. The biggest bright spot is obviously Austin Eckler getting on the field and playing a full complement of snaps. 14 for 44 on the ground. Okay, whatever, but he had 16 targets. 11 for 85 Austin Eckler back at the right, exactly right time. He's another one in another league. Crappy, most of my team, crappy Austin Eckler bailing me out. So I love that performance. And I thought he looked pretty good. Looked super comfortable. Looked like himself. Uh, Hunter Henry continues to roll. Hunter Henry, 7 for 67, 10 targets for him. 10 for uh, Keenan Allen as well, but only caught 4 for 40, but got in the zone. So at least, you know, Keenan Allen's not going to lose you the week by getting you a touchdown there. Uh, Moving on to our next contest, which is the Giants and the Cincinnati Bengals. And Wayne Gallman is the running back version of Chris Carter. All he does is score touchdowns. This was a pretty good outing for him, as he should have had a pretty good outing against this uh, Cincinnati run defense, which is very poor. So he goes uh, 24 for 94, and the touchdown catches an additional three balls. That's 27 touches right there. And Deion Lewis was actually on the field a little bit, but just not used. Alfred Morris barely on the field. Evan Ingram having a big game. Of course, the bigger news here is Daniel Jones and his status. Uh, The expectation now is that he is going to miss some time here. It's unfortunate because he's starting to play good. I really liked how he was playing since about week five or six. So that hurts the team, although they do have a relatively capable backup in Colt McCoy. So I don't think we completely downgrade Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard. Uh, by the way, Darius Slayton did play in this game. 
Had no catches, but did play in this game. On the Cincinnati side, I had said last week, don't drop T. Higgins. I want to see how he looks with Brandon Allen. Not bad. Not great, but not bad. Got in the end zone, 44 and a touchdown. Had five catches, caught all five of his targets. Looks like he's going to be fine. Will probably be a wide receiver three going forward. But uh, Tyler Boyd arrow pointing down. Three catches for 15 yards for Boyd in this contest. Uh, A.J. Green, another fantasy goose egg, by the way. And Giovanni Bernard, I will say this. I don't know if this team can sustain drives, long enough drives, to give enough volume to make Giovanni Bernard what he was with Joe Burrow, which is basically an RB2 with RB1 weekly RB1 potential. He's more of a flex with weekly RB2 potential now, which is unfortunate because he does have plenty of opportunity with Mixon on injured reserve. Tennessee, Indianapolis. Oh, man, so many different directions we could go in in this one, but let's start with the obvious. Derrick Henry, man, this guy is the king of November and December football. 27 for 178 and three scores. Absolute beast on the field. The number one fantasy running back before the... Monday and hopefully Tuesday contest. And it does look like the Tuesday game is going to be played. So if you rolled the dice with uh, any of those guys in that game, you're probably in the clear. A.J. Brown, I always wondered, why don't opposing teams try and take the onside's kick in for a touchdown more often? <laughs> like, you know it's coming. I know sometimes you can't. Like, you don't get it right, like on the right bounce or that you, if they're doing the, uh, the, the sort of grounder type kick that they're doing. You know, it's not always this. It used to always be the sky ball looping kick but now there's all kinds of variations teams getting pretty creative but like why not just try and try and take that thing to the house I mean you get beyond that you only have one line of defense like there's no second there's no secondary level like there's no defenders back there so anyway uh hopefully you got those points for AJ Brown he scored another touchdown four for 98 he's such a beast Corey Davis for what it's worth only had three catches but three for 70 and I thought he looked good like the box score didn't really tell the whole story there because they really didn't have to throw the ball in this one just 22 passing attempts for Ryan Tannehill uh, on the indie side well Naeem Hines did he did touch the ball 18 times 10 rushing attempts just 29 yards it's not like Jordan Wilkins was used only six rushing attempts for him 22 yards um, it was eight for 66 that were the really bailed Naeem Hines out so he's going, you know, he's going to be involved in the passing game. If they get game scripts like this, it was really surprised to see them get beat up this badly because, you know, hey, this Colts team looked like a real contender. After this game, you really have to think twice about that. Michael Pittman was targeted nine times, just two for 28. Remember, he we can't fully trust him as anything more than the wide receiver three. And I think a lot of people were chasing the last two weeks with him this this week. So just be careful with with guys like Pittman. I still like him, and I like the nine targets a lot, but he's not just absolute every week set-and-forget type of guy, uh, just not the type of player he is just yet. He probably will be in the future, though, the way that he's looking. Uh, a future is definitely bright for Michael Pittman Jr. Carolina, Minnesota, unbelievable with Jeremy Chin. If you're in an IDP league and you had Jeremy Chin, that's got to be some kind of record day because not only did he have touchdowns on back-to-back plays, which is unbelievable, it's hard enough to do that on offense, much less defense. It's basically impossible. But he had double-digit tackles in this game. This kid's a stud. Um, DJ Moore was banged up in this one. Looks like he'll actually be okay. Uh, the x-rays came, x-rays came back negative, so 
that's a good sign for DJ Moore. Uh, he looked decent. Robbie Anderson looked decent. Mike Davis looked like Mike Davis. You know, it's just kind of par for the course in this one. But it was such a weird game. You know, the game script was sort of all over the place with Minnesota kind of having to come back. On the Minnesota side, Dalvin Cook was banged up. I don't actually have an update on his injury. He was able to get back on the field, but when it first happened, it didn't look good. So we'll see. Uh, Justin Jefferson looked good. Seven for 70 and two touchdowns. This kid has been awesome. I mean, if it wasn't for Justin Herbert, I think a strong case could be made for Justin Jefferson as the offensive rookie of the year. I, I really do. Awesome. So good. So much better than a lot of people thought he was going to be. And even to, to some extent, yours truly, I didn't think he was going to be this dynamic. Like, he, he's just so impressive. Just so impressive. Uh, don't read too much into Chad BB because there was no Adam Thielen on the field. And I wouldn't read too much into Kirk Cousins because they don't want to throw the football 45 times. <laughs> they really don't. Arizona and, and New England. New England doesn't want to throw the football 45 times. Uh, Cam Newton. Wow. This was something, wasn't it? <laughs> Cam Newton had 84 passing yards. And ordinarily, that would be like by far the lowest of the week. But no, it's not even close. But still, it, usually in a game like this, Cam will like run for one or two touchdowns. I mean, he did have a goal line carry. But of course, the two rushing scores go to James White. So if you started Cam Newton, it was a bad week. No doubt about it. A bad week for Cam Newton. I mean, his receivers only had eight catches. His wideouts. Eight catches. Jacoby Myers had five of them. Demir Bird had three. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. And they won. How the heck did they win this game? You look at the offensive performance, you're like, there's no way. I tell you, a quarterback has 84 passing yards. He completes nine balls. Yeah, And I say, hey, do they win or lose? You go, they lost. They got crushed. Nope, they won. <laughs> Welcome to 2020, everybody. Welcome to 2020. Uh, this was the first game all season. Kyler Murray didn't throw or run for a touchdown. Uh, so little, uh, you know, he was held in check in this one. Kenyon Drake, 22 carries, 78 yards, not special, but he scored two touchdowns. That's pretty good. He continues to be at least an RB2, and in fact, he's a top 10 right now. The wideouts were quiet here, but I don't expect that every week. I wouldn't expect that going forward, and I wouldn't panic going forward. Miami and the Jets uh, with the Dolphins. I mean, let, let me ask you this, if you happen to watch this game. I know I can't hear your answer, but food for thought. Is it just me, or does Devontae Parker look really good when Ryan Fitzpatrick's on the field and... So-so when Tua Tungavailoa was on the field. Is it just me? Because, I mean, seriously, Devontae Parker looked like we thought he was supposed to look. Eight for 119, 14 targets. Like, Tua, if you're listening right now, watch this game, and when you come back, do what Fitzpatrick does, okay? Because I don't mind this version of Devontae Parker at all. Of course, Mike Gesicki looking a little bit better. He goes two for 35 and a touchdown. So if you happen to use him, you can't really uh, be too set, upset about that. The backfield was a mess. I mean, technically, you could say there was upwards of five running backs on the team because Lynn Bowden and, and Malcolm Perry are basically running backs. But the rest of the running backs, here's how the snaps broke down. DeAndre Washington, 34. Matt Breida, 23. Patrick Laird, 10. So they basically made it clear 
they're never going to give Matt Breida a full role, which I wouldn't have expected. And all of this is moot anyway because next week Gaskin will be back on the field and then all will be right with the world. On the Jets side, yeah, wow. <laughs> no revenge for Adam Gase in this one, man. I mean, at least Sam Darnold had 197 passing yards, which was actually not terrible compared to some of the other lines, but he he didn't do anything with them. Uh, I will say this. He at least was targeting Brashad Perryman and Denzel Mins downfield. Now, Perryman's dot was 16.9, so an average depth of target of 16.9 yards. Denzel Mims was 13.6. I don't think those are that bad. I think that's at least encouraging. Now, ordinarily, you'd say, all right, hey, it's a game against the Dolphins. Nick Needham in the slot. Darnold loves to throw to Crowder. Crowder's going to have 10 targets, right? No, five. Caught three for 31. So, yeah, there, there went a, a good chunk of my DFS lineups. Um, anyway, I thought I had an angle. I was wrong. Cleveland and Jacksonville. Well, I did have a lot of Nick Chubb, and that was certainly a good thing. You know, I pointed out on Friday on the podcast, and I did put it out there on social, that it was kind of curious the way that Cleveland was using Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the red zone. And I know, like, people, when I put tweets out, a lot of times, I mean, people read subtext. Like, there actually really wasn't subtext to the tweet. It was more like, hey, this is kind of interesting, and I'm just going to share it, right? They'll read in, like, that that's like a shot at Nick Chubb or something, and it's not a freaking shot at Nick Chubb at all. Um, and it actually reversed in this one. It's just one of those things, like, I, I, I try to keep my eye on the subtle aspects of the game, right? And and in this one, four red zone carries for Nick Chubb, only one for Kareem Hunt, two goal line carries for Chubb, one for Hunt. Chubb has 23 touches. Hunt has 10. Last week, Hunt had three more touches than Chubb. So a little bit of a, a you know, hey, is this a when we're winning, we go with Chubb. When we're close, we're, you know, neutral or losing, we go with Chubb and Hunt. I, I mean, it could be some of that. Like this set up like the ideal game script for Chubb. So that makes sense. Uh, Jarvis had a big game too, which I did point him out. I, you just never know what Jarvis and Baker. Baker was in the freaking millionaire maker lineup. So <laughs> 2020, what are you going to do? Uh, Mike Glennon, Glennon. He was, uh, he was under center and honestly, not that bad considering there was no DJ Chark, no Chris Conley. You know, you're dealing with Colin Johnson, which Colin Johnson had a little bit of a breakout game. Keelan Cole, LaVisca Chenault, Trey Quinn was out there and got hurt. So Glennon had nobody to throw to. And I mean, he didn't do that bad. 235 and two passing scores. James Robinson, though, is an absolute stud. 22 for 128 and a touchdown, 5 for 31. That's 26.9 PPR points. The success of James Robinson, and this is on a bad team. This is on a team that is 1-10. Running backs shouldn't have success on a team that's 1-10. The success of James Robinson, I really think, is going to cause a lot of teams to reevaluate how they address the position. You know, you got to think, like, you give a monster contract to somebody like Ezekiel Elliott, and then you see this. I mean, what, what, do you, what would you think? All right, let's talk about it finally. New Orleans-Denver, the weirdest game that hopefully I'll ever see. And it wasn't just because of the Denver situation. And I think, you know, we really have to have to be clear, like, okay, ha ha, we make some jokes. But ultimately, Kendall Hinton, 
I, I would just applaud the kid for going out. Like, can you imagine that? You're you're a kid, you played, I mean, you played high school quarterback, sure. You played a little bit of quarterback at the beginning of your college career, but John Wolfert was there, so, all right, you're behind him. Let's switch to wideout. You switch to wideout, which is not an easy thing to do, and now you made a practice squad in the NFL, which is also not an easy thing to do, and you're just looking forward to potentially getting called up. You get called up, and it's as a freaking quarterback with... 24 hours to prepare. That is unbelievable. And I don't care how he performed. The fact that he performed at all. And he only, I mean, I've seen other starters do a whole heck of a lot worse in terms of interceptions. Now, granted, they weren't letting him sling the ball around a lot. And it did look pretty ugly. But this kid went out there and did it. He gets a game ball, man. Even if it was, even though it wasn't a good performance, you know, hats off to Kendall Hinton. But otherwise, I mean, I can't, I, I can't make any conclusions based on this game, like at all, no conclusions. It was bizarre. Well, for the Denver side, on the New Orleans side, though, it's not like it was. Uh, okay, well, that was pretty much par for the course, exactly what we expected. I mean, Taysom Hill did get in the end zone twice as a runner. He he goes 10 for 44. What did I project him at? It was like almost identical to that. I didn't project him at two touchdowns, but I had him like, you know, what, 10 rushing attempts and right around 45 rushing yards, something like that. Okay, but he had 78 passing yards. <laughs> I mean, Michael Thomas, yeah, man, that sounded good to start the season. And then even Alvin Kamara. So here's the update. I had said last week, if it happens back-to-back games, then, yeah, it's more of a trend and not just a uh, fluke. Yeah, this is more of a trend. Taysom's not throwing the ball. Checkdowns. And it's not like Latavius. Latavius Murray had the bigger fantasy day, but it's not like he got all the checkdowns. He only had one target. Kamara had two targets. Uh, Murray had the bigger day on the ground, but I'm not going to say, okay, now Murray is the better fantasy option. I don't think we go that far. I think that's a bit of a reaction uh, or overreaction to to everything. But Murray is showing that he has now more independent value than ever, and we need to definitely take stock of that. Uh, but Taysom, he's a quarterback one. As much as people want to poo-poo that idea, he's going to be a quarterback one the rest of the way until Breeze gets back. San Francisco and the Rams, speaking of getting back, Raheem Mostert got back, but so did Jeff Wilson, and I am not I'm not really happy with how the snaps broke down. So here's how they broke down. Raheem Mostert, 29, Jeff Wilson, 25, Jarek McKinnon, 18. So Mostert did get the touchdown. He goes 16 for 43 on the ground. Wilson has 12 carries, though. So 18 touches for Mostert, 12 for Wilson, and then an additional five for McKinnon. Not a lot for McKinnon, but is what it is. Uh, Debo was phenomenal in this one, though. Now, they should have Ayuk back this next week. And I do think that'll, you know, we, we're we not going to see 13 targets for Debo very frequently. But it, it's not really the target volume. It was just how freaking explosive he is, man. He's, he's fun to watch. It's encouraging for fantasy. What is discouraging for fantasy is Jared Goff. Man, he is not fun to watch right now. And, and Sean McVay actually kind of calling him out a little bit for this because this was a bad game for Goff, and it hurt it hurt Cooper Cup more than it hurt anybody. Uh, but, yeah, I guess if you started Woods, you can't really complain with 7 for 80. That's, yeah, that's, 
you know, and he had a rushing attempt. He had eight yards. It's almost 16 PPR points. It's not terrible. But, yeah, it, that's that's not encouraging there. And the running backs, be careful because everybody's going to look at the fantasy points and say, oh, my God, the Cam Akers breakout happened. Ready for the snaps? Malcolm Brown, 25. Daryl Henderson, 20. Cam Akers, 17. If those snaps stay that way, we cannot trust Cam Akers. Unfortunately, we can't. Now, I've been saying for weeks that he should be on a bench, and he's going to be a popular waiver ad this week, but we can't trust him with this snap distribution. They're using all three. I mean, hey, for me, what I say a month ago on this pod, he's the best running back in that backfield. I liked some of the stuff that I saw out of Daryl Henderson earlier in the year, but Akers is the most complete back on that squad. But they aren't seeing it that way, and there's nothing we can do about it. So put him on your bench, but I don't think we can be looking to start him anytime soon. Kansas City, Tampa Bay, okay, you know Mahomes and Ty Freak are amazing. And didn't I say on this pod as well, I guess I'm going back to a lot of stuff that I've said, but if Tyreek Hill went out and had, I think I said something more like a 350-yard and three or four touchdown game, like everybody would be like, yeah, that was bound to happen one of these days. I mean, it wasn't quite that big, but jeez, 269 yards, 13 catches, three touchdowns. He's freaking awesome. And Mahomes, what was that for, for you watching the game? Was it like for me? Because I felt like this was like, uh, you know, it was kind of like a quiet 462 passing yards. Does that make sense? Like, I felt like when I looked at the box score, I'm like, oh, wow, he actually had 462. I thought it was maybe a little lower than that. I mean, I, I know they were they were saying it throughout the game where they were, but it felt like there was more meat on the bone, I guess is what I'm really trying to say. It felt like they could have kept their foot on the gas in the second half and not let Tampa back in, and there would have been more, more uh, you know, it would have potentially been a 500-yard day. I don't know. That's how it looked to me. Uh, these types of games are just, correlation-wise, just terrible for the backfield because if the passing game goes off, the running backs aren't going to do much, and we've seen this a couple times with this Kansas City backfield, so it's just the risk we run with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. On the other side, Brady, I mean, hey, everybody talking about, oh, his arm's shot, he can't throw, he can't complete the ball 20 yards downfield. I think that was him more not being on the same page with his receivers than him not being able to complete passes. Because in this one, he did complete four of seven passes of 20-plus yards. He's got the red zone connection with Mike Evans. Chris Godwin is becoming somewhat of that safety blanket in the short and intermediate, but not quite as short as where the Wes Welker and Julian Edelman's of the world would live for Brady. But eight for 97, so a solid game for Godwin. Gronk was vintage Gronk. The only thing we needed, the icing on the cake, would have been a Gronk smash spike if he got in the end zone, but he didn't. Either way, six for 106 for him. I mean, Arians is saying he wants more carries for Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones was... No problem in this game. He was just fine. I mean, goes up over 100 scrimmage yards on 10 touches. They need to get the ball in his hands more. It's, I mean, it's it's crazy to say, but it's clear, like, he's playing much better than Leonard Fournette. I didn't think I was going to say that heading into this year, but that's where we are. That is absolutely where we are. All right, let's round it out. Get ready. Get excited. Chicago and Green Bay. Well, the Green Bay side is exciting. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, the pendulum swung back, right? We talked about this a lot in the uh, in the preseason. 
Last year, there was just too many touchdowns, you know, scored in, in the run game, particular by Aaron Jones. And eventually that that pendulum swings back. Uh, it swung even further than I thought because Aaron Rodgers is on pace for a, like a well over 40 touchdown passes this year, which is a monster year. Has four in this one. Of course, Devontae Adams gets one of them. He was just fine. Not an enormous play, but just fine. Robert Tanyan, really the breakout tight end of the year. And, you know, the backfield is a little concerning. When you see 17 for 90 for Aaron Jones, you're like, okay, he had a catch, whatever. Wait, 17 for 73 and one for Jamal Williams? Wait, we're giving them equal carries right now? That was my concern coming into the season. Uh-oh. Hopefully that's just a one-game blip. On the other side, uh, yeah, you can run. If, if David Montgomery did this, you can run. Anybody can run against the Green Bay Packers. Montgomery, 11 for 103, 5 for 40 and a touchdown. He's a top 10 PPR back, just like we drew it up. <laughs> um, Allen Robinson was just fine, 8 for 74 and two touchdowns. And really, I know this is not this is not a football take. This is a fantasy take. But Mitchell Trubisky is better for this team than Nick Foles. It's a fantasy take. It is not a football take. Okay? But here's my thought process. Only one quarterback had more air yards this week than Trubisky. That's Patrick Mahomes. Trubisky, 400 air yards. Now, I know you're not, we've established, you're not in a points per air yard league. Air yards indicate opportunities. He had six end zone throws. End zone throws indicate opportunities. The opportunities were there for Allen Robinson. Eight for 74, like I said, okay, but 13 targets. Three of them in the end zone. Caught two of those balls. Darnell Mooney, three for 34. Eh, all right, well, he had nine targets. He had an end zone target, right? Like, to me, that's a little bit more appealing than those dead ducks that Nick Foles throws up there. And I, I know Trubisky is not the long-term answer if you're a fan of that team. I get that 100%. And I feel your pain if you're a fan of that team. But I'm greedy, I'm selfish, and I want more points for Allen Robinson. So anyway, there you go. That is uh, the show for today. We'll be back tomorrow to talk some waivers here. Week 13, baby. Week 13. In the meantime, do me a favor. Go check out FTNFantasy.com. If you want my player prop bets, you can go to FTNBets.com to check those out. And keep reviewing the podcast on iTunes. I have seen some entries into the uh, celebration contest, if you will. Promote the show however you'd like on social media. Use the hashtag the rant. Use the hashtag Rat Pack and link to the show wherever you happen to listen to it. Spotify, Pandora, Google, Apple, wherever. Stitcher, doesn't matter to me. Link to it. And be creative. I've seen some creative ones. Uh, some people have talked about, I saw one recently that talked about how I um, am kind of nerdy. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can you can say the show sucks. I, I whatever you want to do, it's it, it's yours. We're all family. So if you break my balls, you know I'm not gonna care. So however you want to go about it, you are entered in to win. I'm gonna cut this thing off on Friday. So this week only, advertise for me. <laughs> there you go. Promote the show on social media. Include me in there too, so I see it. And um, yeah. However you want to do it. The most creative one is going to win some swag. Stuff we all get from uh, the the rant here and Sawdust Podcast Network. So good stuff right there. And you can keep reviewing the show because we may 
Hey, if I hit another plateau, I may give out some more stuff. All right? So how you do it, the easiest way, on your iPhone, open up the Apple Podcast app, go to my podcast, The Rant, scroll to the bottom, click the stars, you're done. That's it. At Jeff Radcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Radcliffe on Instagram. Use that hashtag, Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show, and I will catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Radcliffe, and I'm out of here.